Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing. We have Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, directed by Mel Stewart. We have 2005's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Tim Burton. And finally, we have newly released Wonka, directed by Paul King. So it's going to be a candy-filled episode, folks. Stay tuned and enjoy. Daily, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. On this side of the table, how was your Wonka week? <laughs> a little too sweet for my <laughs> taste. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've never been huge into these movies. Okay, uh, I've never, I had a huge amount of nostalgia for these movies, but uh, it was nice just to have a, a three slot, especially with all the craziness with the holiday season. So. Yeah, we have so many movies coming up. We have a super episode yep. in two weeks. <laughs> right. Like, so super, we don't know how super it is. <laughs> it's in the lab. It's, it is a super episode. <laughs> but with all this, I'm glad that we just did these three. They're very yeah. good on their own. They were um, kind of and- Christmas in, in a lot of ways, especially that Burton one. Like the, okay. Um, yeah, Christmas feeling to it. So Especially the Burton one. Okay. Yeah. That surprises me. <laughs> but they're all kind of three very different films as well. Yeah. You know? So, okay. I don't know. I as a kid, I watched the original a few times. Okay, so it was pretty fresh with me. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was always scared to see. Scared. Never wanted to see it. This is the Burton one. Yeah, I mean, it's just I'm not the biggest Tim Burton guy. You know, he's always just slightly weird and spooky and scary. And that is definitely a slightly weird and spooky movie. And Wonka, I almost saw late last night. (laughs) Okay, um, uh, but but didn't get there Uh, because I have some some interest in it. I like Timmy. Yeah, Uh, sure. Hugh Grant. it turns out hated playing the role and didn't like it, didn't enjoy and that kind of. He's barely in it too. He's like supporting of supporting. Yeah, for what I could, for how long down he was when yeah. it comes to the credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I it almost made me appreciate the trailer because yeah. I'm assuming that the trailer really, right, really. Um, you don't get a sense of the film at all. Yeah, which absolutely. is which is a good thing. Yeah, but uh, okay, all right. So any opening notes or do we just take this magical tour? Uh, come with me and you'll see. All right, let's jump. We are in 1971. This is, which is, it's crazy to how long it's been. It's over 50 years oh, yeah. now this has been in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is based on a book. So it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I think everybody knows the name. I would be surprised if a lot of people our age actually hasn't seen it at this point. Oh, sure, yeah. Because so everyone knows it. Everyone knows some memes about it. Kinda. You have hit the nail on the head of what I think about all three of these movies that, yeah, uh, online fans of especially this one specifically want to put it on an untouchable pedestal, never to remake it. It's a children's movie, though, at its heart. heart. Oh, it's rated uh, G, too. Exactly. So uh, updating it for modern audiences, uh, I'm totally fine with. And that's on top of me not really having a lot of nostalgia for it. I'm cool with them touching it every, whatever, 20 years or so. I'm with you. I'm not like I don't uh, have a huge love for this, for, for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Sure. I I don't know. I, it kind of bothers me when they touch it. Okay. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see what we have to say. About it. Maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> yeah. But how do we like this 1971 version? Uh, well, uh, it is a classic uh, without a doubt. Uh, one of the first classes classics to be adapted by the author Roald Dahl. From his 1964 hits children's book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, following that as well, a few a few years later, we have uh, Charlie and the Glass Elevator. Uh, many 
and I really mean many, consider this to be timeless from the wonderful concept to fantastic music and probably most of all, Gene Wilder's uh, aloof performance, mm -hmm. uh, which has kind of cemented itself into a lot of Hollywood history here. Yeah, This first Willy Wonka is a classic that uh, nobody wants to have redone, but I feel differently about it. Uh, without uh, a lot of nostalgia for the story, like I said, folks, uh, I see how each of these films are dated, even the new one in ways, <laughs> which, is, which is odd to say. But uh, the reality is it is a kid's movie first. And occasionally that means you have to update things to make sure that there is actual interest from your waning attention of the kid demographic. Uh, Mel Stewart directs here and is probably not a name we'll be revisiting anytime soon. <laughs> His career is uh, really hard to, to track. There's a lot of producing. Uh, he does mostly documentaries pre-Willy Wonka. And then he does TV producing post-Willy Wonka. Uh, the story goes that his daughter was actually the one to bring him the idea after reading the book, which I think shows in the film. The film really does have a focus on kid wonder, uh, childish yeah. wonder. Yeah, definitely. The Burton one definitely loses. This new one, I wouldn't say it loses it, but it kind of has different priorities, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, and unlike the other two movies this week, uh, you know, the first half of its runtime focuses on the the real world that exists around Wonka. Uh, and in doing so, is probably the best at building that anticipation of seeing him on screen for the first time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel like that is what's so magical about this. I feel like watching this movie and how I even remembered it as a kid, I, I always said to myself in my mind, uh, this uh, first half's real boring. First half is you skip to to, to basically get to inside the chocolate factory. <laughs> now. Now, as, <laughs> now I see how important that is to pay off uh, uh, mm -hmm. Wonka coming out and, and, and in, in tandem with uh, with uh, Wilder's performance, which is excellent. How long would you really – how long do you, would you say that takes? I think it's a – I don't have an exact time stamp, but it does take some time. It's at least like forty-five minutes. It's like wow. a good half of the wow. movie, and that this is, is also movie, yeah. shorter than um, uh, than the two thousand five and the current one. hour forty. Yeah, which sounds great. I was shocked <laughs> it wasn't over two hours, yeah. just because of how many scenes there are and there's things that you remember yeah. from the film. Absolutely, you know? so many scenes dedicated to each of the kids and their stories and finding the ticket and the world and pandemonium over Wonka and whatnot. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, so. And then, and then the musical scenes, which are not not quick at all. I mean, we got how many Oompa Loompa songs? It's ridiculous. So, I, I think it's silly to summarize the story here. Uh, that's so well known, but uh, certain elements are portrayed differently from film to film. So I think it's important to key in on that. Um, the framework of Charlie seeking one of five golden tickets is set, but the gravity of Wonka throwing this context is much much larger in scope. We see. Uh, like I said, pandemonium uh, in the real world as more than just children are after this golden ticket. And time is put on that to uh, to kind of tell the story of how amazing it is uh, that these five kill uh, children, mm -hmm. you know, find this. The hold Wonka has on the entire world is incredible. And I feel like that is what is so effectively communicated in this first uh, first half, first third of the film. That all, that wonder. Yeah. Just that, that kid energy. Yeah. Of of wanting and, and and needing that yeah just that vibe absolutely and and, and so much of it is uh, is in great kind of dry British humor uh, we have like little little sketches uh, in this beginning half of the film that um, show that adults are just as uh, <laughs> just as crazed around Wonka and finding this golden ticket as the kids are uh, which is great part of what makes the first half so enjoyable the ramp up. It also sets the stage for our expectations of characters. Not knowing whether anyone has hidden intentions is something that this film juggles perfectly. And an example is in the wicked-looking Mr. Slugworth that is uh, whispering in all the winner's ears uh, uh, moments after they are getting interviewed. But in comparison to our other two films, uh, this is much more subtle intentionally. And it's, it's key to why we get our best Wonka, is that subtlety. Even without being a huge fan of the film, uh, this is without a doubt 
Gene Wilder's greatest role, I think, um, mm. with uh, a, a legendary acting story around his method and approach. Now, once again, kind of cemented into Hollywood history. It's probably the biggest piece of pop trivia around the film by this point, but the story goes that Wilder would only do the role if he could come out with a cane in his first reveal. And the purpose was to drive home the point that we as the audience cannot trust anything that Wonka says. I don't know if I knew that was. Oh, the really? Reason. I remember hearing that story of like yeah. he wanted the cane. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was the story. Yeah, it's it's to create this directional, uh, this this kind of um, uh, misdirect in what exactly we expect to is Wonka telling the truth? Is he evil? Is he good? And that subtlety is why the right, balancing act right. is so uh, is so perfect here. Did you still feel as a kid watching this? I always felt uneasy watching it. Yeah. And I don't know if I was like weirded out by the Oompa Loompas. Oh, weird- I'll tell you exactly <laughs> where I was weirded out is the LSD boat scene. Yeah. But okay, yeah, okay. yeah, we'll get into it. The boat scene. <laughs> I mean, the one, the, the girl turning into a massive blueberry. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, just, just the weird Body stuff horror. that happens. <laughs> Cronenberg, even. You don't ever feel. <laughs> You don't ever feel settled, and it totally comes through as a kid. Yeah, that's cool that that was his goal, though from a, from the start. Before you see anything with him, yes, that yes. he wants to he wants to drop the breadcrumbs a little bit for exactly. you, exactly, uh, because that's where the mystery was uh, for at least Wilder, and he said that that is the only way that he's going to do this. So wow, yeah, huh, yeah, and I think you're right. I it had a, I had to think when you were like, I think this is his best role or biggest well known mm. role. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it is. I, f- I felt like I had to think because then you have – what's the comedy? Um, uh, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yep. Frankenstein scene. Yep. But he is Willy Wonka, I it, guess. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I wanted to say it was something else, honestly, because I like Wilder a lot, especially when he's working with Mel Brooks. But, yeah. uh, I mean, it has to it be It has to be Wonka. Wonka. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a reason why we're still getting Willy Wonkas. It's <laughs> arguably because of this performance is so iconic, so – The brilliance, though, is in the question, is Willy Wonka evil or not? Uh, This transforms every scene to be viewed in two ways. And the subtlety that becomes the defining feature for the film is why it is worth your time, folks, even in modern day. Uh, There's plenty that I have uh, to pick with this film as far as its hippie stylings or once again we'll get to it that LSD boat scene which I like actively like really dislike uh, but um, especially in comparison to the Tim Burton 2005 rendition of this this subtlety cannot be matched because Burton's rendition goes I can't wait to hear your way in the deep end uh, of stylistic yeah uh, Timothy Chalamet's Wonka is on the polar opposite of the spectrum that uh, it's so heartwarming. There's not an ounce of mystery of if Wonka's intentions mm, are evil okay. or anything other than wanting to bring joy into the world, hmm. which is hey, totally fine. But that's why this one is such a, a performance that people don't want touched. Right. Uh, it is. It's a balancing act. Exactly. It hasn't been really met yet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, comedically, Wilder is the best part, too. Uh, even though we get some some dry-styled uh, British humor that feels appropriate for parents more so than kids, uh, both kind of back then and now, uh, I just love how sarcastic he is at all moments. Uh, I'm a trifle deaf in this year is, is always a line that gets an audible laugh out of me. Uh, it's just so good, and the timing is so good, and... And again, he, he doesn't like outwardly hate the kids. Like Johnny Depp's version hates the kids. Right, right. And that's okay. kind of the point. And and I'll, I'll obviously get and break that down a little bit more when we get to to Burton's rendition. But uh, I, I think it's just uh, it's just something else. Wilder's performance. I think it's also a great bridge to music because his rendition of Pure Imagination is probably the best song in all three of these movies. The music is really great, and I think what it's what holds up the most. Uh, this was a shocking revelation made only after seeing the. <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. The capital M musical that is the new Wonka. And I said to myself, wow, that had more music than ever. And probably the best music was still in 71. <laughs> so I don't know what we're doing here. The, the film's music stuck with me all week. And I feel it proves itself as the best, as best for feeling and, and conjuring that child wonder that it captures, uh, as opposed to Burton's twisted or King's Broadway soundtrack approach to it. Mm. Pa- uh, Paul King, of course, being the director of uh, the new Wonka, if I didn't mention that. But I have to circle back on why I feel 
100% more than fine with updating this classic. I think it is in its leftovers 60s influence that covers many of the music numbers. For songs inside the factory, I, I don't know. I don't want to be overly mean, but I, they feel tacky to me. It's tacky, like mm, schoolhouse okay. rock styled re- read along lyrics that pop up on screen. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think these look terrible. Uh, I really do. I, I don't think they. I, I mean, maybe for a, a children's audience that is really looking to sing along with these, I guess it's fine. It's an in theater experience type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it gives an otherwise timeless experience, such a hippie vibe to it. It mm-hmm, really, it mm-hmm. really tarnishes the a timelessness aspect to it. This means we have to talk about that LSD boat scene, which is why for many, many years, I outright just did not enjoy this <laughs> film. I, I was I was a little bit of a hater was, on, on 71 Wonka. A hater? Were you scared of it? Was, <laughs> no, I think it is just, just like the most inappropriate scene <laughs> possible. Like, Believe me, I, I I can get behind weird. I can get behind like <laughs> sure. you know disturbing. I watch I watch weird movies. Uh, this is what what pisses me off about it is it just feels so grossly inappropriate to put in a children's movie okay, because it is sure. genuinely disturbing. Uh, do you remember this? I, yes, I remember each scene basically. Now, how in depth and the, and the minor? I think I think we need to pause the episode so you can watch this LSD boat scene because <laughs> no. it is shocking. It is shocking how disturbing and twisted and and it does nothing for okay. this question of is Wonka good or evil? It's just psychedelic. It's just it's it's purely See, in seventy one. You're coming out, you know, the Beatles. I mean, this is all just part of it. It's all just part of it. I bet in the time it was, like, extremely fitting. I I don't know. I I mean, uh, I guess it's fitting for, you know. uh, It's not fitting. Right. right, Okay, let's say that. I'm just saying back in 71, 71, as far as the decision made. I I just, it still still kind of angers me today watching it. I mean, I I don't think it's particularly well done. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, rear projection of bugs uh, eating and ripping apart flies and <laughs> distinctly disturbing visuals put in front of these children uh, on top of then Gene Wilder ranting like a like a uh, I don't know <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I wonder why honestly yeah or could it be that thing of like we just up until the 90s or 2000s we treated kids differently <laughs> I guess you know so. like the old Christmas books that yeah. were just about punishing kids yeah you know the old German <laughs> right, books and stuff right. yeah, that's a good point that's a good point and I think that that is definitely a theme throughout all these well not the new one for the first two films <laughs> that you know these wicked children are getting punished in some way you know right uh, right uh, by by Willy Wonka but man let me tell you I just I just cannot get over this scene I, I, I think it is a serious blemish on the film still to today like it doesn't age well it doesn't look good (laughs) and i think i think where i have the real problem with it is it adds nothing to this um this conversation piece about wilder's performance of is he good is he bad it's almost unexpectedly chaotic it's not even bad it's just like what what is this you know but does it is that does that cement the fact that you were dealing with an evil character i i guess but i i think if anything this Willy Wonka is not evil. He's he's maybe a little bit misguided, but okay, he's okay. not like Depp's per- portrayal where he uh, it's like a mix between Michael Jackson and uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. and and like a deep hatred and disdain of children. So it's like uh, Saw for kids. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. I like that. I like that Saw for kids. <laughs> I, I really don't think a, a more perfect example could exist of where I am coming from, folks, on that something could use an update. Uh, believe me, I don't like rehashes. I don't like the trend of Hollywood that ideas are just recycled endlessly and that there's nothing original ever. But at the same time, this this film has some serious areas stylistically and tonally that could use some refreshing, mm-hmm. if only to keep the attention of kids, no less act- actively scar them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, I i don't know i i i'll get over the scene a little bit but it just proves to take a step too far in confusing us with wonka and that that's really what where my position is on it my recommendation really boils down to this folks uh if you want a better wonka performance and music probably most importantly this is the one you check out uh but for its, its children its child performances its visuals that feel 
dated and style that feels scattered as well, uh, that's where this can maybe push you into checking out a different rendition of Wonka. We'll get into the strengths of each of these, but my goal is to help you find the right Wonka for you, especially in just like a three slot mm -hmm. uh, episode like this. So despite some of my gripes on how timeless the package is, it still deserves a watch, if only for Gene Wilder, which is still the best Wonka. We're going to go ahead and give Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory 1971 a 73. Wow, okay, all right. The 73 is a pretty good score. I guess, yeah, I guess the... the <laughs> I was really it's bracing here. <laughs> 73 is a good, a very good movie. Yes. Uh, you know, on the, on the precipice of a very good I, movie. I think it is a very good movie. I, I just got some gripes. Semi shoes. Yeah. <laughs> some yeah. corrections that could be made. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So 73 is pretty damn good. How do, I guess my only question for this one, for 71, is how do the set pieces hold up? You know, does it feel the main set decorations or that main kind of room, the chocolate waterfalls sure. and such? Eh. Uh, I, like I think poopy it's water. A, uh, yeah, it is poopy water. That's funny <laughs> that you say it. Uh, yeah, every every person's observation ever of <laughs> watching that poopy water drip down. <laughs> I think I think I'm all right with the set designs just because of how that ramp up works okay, to right. uh, build such a a messy, greedy self-centered world right and right. then he opens the door into pure imagination i feel like that's where the execution of this film is, okay. is a cut above uh, certain does... sets are small especially when you get you know the you're dwindling down the cast and you're going throughout the factory right. you are seeing more and more that these sets were not uh not well funded at all you know <laughs> but i think by that time it's it's more about seeing where things go with wonka and and it's clearly okay. you know cuz look Declining mental state. Look, <laughs> looking at it, I was just like, it was like, oh, okay, this looks like a trippy, bad, <laughs> falling apart go uh, miniature golf course. Oh, I like that. You know, I like that. Yeah. But okay, let's <laughs> miniature golf course. Let's go into this Edible golf next course. film. Now, one, one other, <laughs> one other thing to be said about these remakes. Mm. If you are gonna touch it, I just wish that they were on milestones. Oh, okay. you know, nothing was on an an, 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 anniversary. Was on an anniversary. Yeah, yeah. You know, even the new one, not the fiftieth anniversary, the fifty second anniversary. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna touch a property like this, that is beloved. Yeah, or at least that well known. Yep, yep. Uh, it's just you know, just care and consideration a little bit more is what mm -hmm. all I ask. This one came. This next film came out in 2005. This is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Tim Burton. His boy Johnny Depp is the main guy. He is playing Willy Wonka. Again, I was just. I love that you were scared. Of, of course, scared. Oh, it's freaky. The whole thing is freaky. The portrayer's freaky. <laughs> he looks crazy in it. I mean, like you said, Michael Jackson and what? I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it really is a mix between Michael Jackson and which, which also for 2005, I feel like hits in a particularly bad way as well you know i i remember vividly when it came out yeah it's crazy to think that it came out almost 20 20 years ago yeah, yeah. totally remember it. it was put off then still kind of put off now <laughs> the way it's shot and the way that people talk or just the way it's filmed yeah, yeah. it's weird i mean his coloring on the film it, it's wild yeah it's wild so i can I start with a quote from Gene Wilder on this film? <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> I definitely came across this. Okay. <laughs> there, there, was, there was a few quotes, and I just plucked one, yep. essentially. So in an interview after this film came out, they asked Gene Wilder what he thought about it and everything like that. And he goes, when I heard that Tim Burton was going to write it and direct it, I thought, this is going to be a dark film. Maybe a good one, but a dark one. I like Johnny Depp as an actor. I like him very much. But when I saw the little pieces in the promotions of what he was doing, I said, I don't want to see the film <laughs> because I don't want to be disappointed in him. <laughs> and that was his main thing. Really, it's he like a grandfather saying he's disappointed in you. But, really. I mean, <laughs> but to your point about how much he cared about that character yes, and how he yeah. wanted to portray him, yeah. I can only imagine he was insulted. He, later, he says it was an insult, the film, sure, in sure. another interview. Yeah. He's more against Tim Burton and his style mm. and that Tim Burton and type thing that, yeah. You know, do you want the Sweeney Todd guy? That's a great question, actually. That as I think about this live, <laughs> was this more Nightmare Before Christmas or was this more Sweeney Todd? Uh, more Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Uh, I would say even more, it, it captures the tone. Uh, I mean, it's been forever since I've seen this film, but like in Edward Scissorhands, the first film that See, Burton and, and Depp are, are over because it's right. like, it, it's like looking at, uh, it, it wants to have a innocent 
type of feeling, a tone to looking at like a freak show almost. And mm, right, I, yeah. a lot of points, this movie pokes fun at Willy Wonka, pokes fun at the children in a uh, in a cynical way, uh, and that's just kind of Burton's thing. Honestly. It is, I know, I know. So, so okay, all right. So, 2005's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Now, how'd you like it? Well, <laughs> I was not scared of this film when I was growing up. I, I actually, because I didn't like the original Willy Wonka, this was kind of my oh, my your, Willy Wonka. Yeah, still, I don't know about my thing, but <laughs> still still rated PG. By yeah, the way. yeah, still rated PG. Unreal. Right. But Tom, yeah. this, this film was meant for you. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Tom, this this film is bashed online for for many many reasons. <laughs> uh, on release, Johnny Depp's uh, performance. Uh, was outlandish and immediately hated by being a far cry from Gene Wilder's kind of uncertain approach, leaning way into the spectrum of Willy Wonka being a kind of an, an evil actor uh, in, in this game. You would have to be blind not to tell, but uh, it being directed by Tim Burton, <laughs> uh, he had haters back then and he has haters now, kind of living <laughs> in a, a soft cancellation uh, in modern day. Uh, and as for the film, critiques across the board point to Burton's styles being overbearing, garish, and perhaps a little bit mean-spirited in its intended childish wonder. Uh, this is not a world of pure imagination. This is a world of Tim Burton's imagination, <laughs> which, uh, again, uh, I mean, I'm not a huge lover of this film. I did grow up with this, and this was, I don't know, you know, uh, my Willy Wonka, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give a crap about that. Uh, but I, I feel like the style is what I appreciate about this film. It's mm-hmm. not the execution of that style. It's got bad CGI. Right. Uh, set design is a little bit all over the place. Uh, but I like the emphasis on more time with the kids. The kids mm. themselves have bigger uh, and livelier personas. Granted, that runs out of control because Willy Wonka is now a crazy, you know, wild persona. There's nothing subtle about this performance. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like the package does have a follow through that I'm still fine and I'm all right with this kind of being updated for. for okay. Modern all right. That's fine. All so, right. I, I think most of all, it, it's Depp's performance reminding me of Michael Jackson. It's really it, you were that much reminded. Of, wow. Oh yeah, I mean uh, I see it totally. Yeah, and and it's it's in it's in some hand movements and it's in how well, his smiles and smirks yeah, and the way he talks. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I feel like in two thousand five, that's also what set a bad tone for this. I mean, this is like peak, not Michael Jackson controversy, but Michael Jackson being a mm. parody within pop culture of, oh yeah, he's like, he touched kids. For sure. Uh, you know, uh, and, and when it's it went, interesting. and when it comes to pairing this with Willy, Willy Wonka, that just feels like it's bad. It's just a bad idea. Well, you know I mean? the depth didn't say in interviews he was going for Michael Jackson. Right? No, I don't think so. This is literally, it's just oozes him. It like, just oozes it's, him. You can't, you can't stop thinking about Absolutely. Michael Jackson. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, as far as Burton's style, I, I happen to enjoy his kind of blown out style. And with this coming out in 2005, I feel like it echoes so much of the weird and always on the verge of bad set design in kids' movies at the time. Um, The Grinch and the Cat in the Hat movies come to mind. On top of that, Roald Dahl has always kind of existed in semi-Dr. Seuss's shadow Mm. uh, as far as Mm. his his films getting adapted or or his, his stories getting adapted for film. Uh, but nostalgia glasses are full off on this one. Uh, if anything, it's because I stand my, by my belief that these movies can be updated for new kids, and this one does not even slightly escape that because <laughs> it feels even older than the 71 version for how stylized it is. Once again, the hunt for the golden ticket is unleashed, and the world proceeds to go crazy for Wonka. This time, the first half focuses less on the wi- uh, on the wider story of the world, and sprinkles in some backstory for Willy Wonka, giving us a possible explanation of motives behind such an odd man. We get to see his father, uh, who is played by uh, Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Yeah, which I I'm surprised to see that. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, that's cool. You're right. If there was any reason for you to watch yeah, this. Yeah, it's Christopher Lee. It's in the <laughs> it's in the the bubble that is uh early 2000s <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Uh this also uh, the the beginning also includes Wonka's relationship with many things being fleshed out. Him being a kid, how he uh, an origin story for how he comes across the Oompa Loompas. 
And all leading to the biggest question I had, why the hell didn't they call this one Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Because it's more about Willy Wonka than ever. Uh, They really, like, I I wonder as well in that process that Burton was so Hmm. infatuated with Johnny Depp coming off of Captain Jack Sparrow for the first Pirates of the Caribbean, other characters that he's done like Edward Scissorhands and like wanted to make a movie more about Willy Wonka than ever. Yet it's called Charlie and the Shock Factory. Well, so. with the naming, you know what the funny thing was? Yeah. As I was putting these on the site, so the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, instead of it wasn't the word and mm. in in the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. it was this the and symbol. Okay. So for licensing reasons, I was just like, wow, if they ever wanted to really redo this, whether it were Warner Bros. or some another sure. person licensed out the material, yep. they could still do Willy Wonka. And the chocolate factory. Wow. And just use the word and and not have the symbol in there. Wow. The, Maybe the legalese what, <laughs> of Warner Brothers. <laughs> Maybe that's what they should have done here. But, you know, when you watch this film, you never you didn't go into it really thinking it was about Charlie, right? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is kind of about well, Charlie. It, right. It is about Charlie, but... <laughs> The the things that stand out. It's just I feel like it's uh, it, it's just uh, it's a weird uh, strike of irony that uh, that this right, one right. is is trying to play it so faithful to the book yet is more about Willy Wonka than ever. Right. You know? Okay. Uh, and, and we'll get into how this one tries to be almost overly faithful to the book and is kind of a, a damaging element to it. Like uh, like we've talked about a, a lot already, Depp's Wonka leans into what was so great about the mystery in Wilder's performances. Part of the loss in that mystery is because the runtime and the spotlight that is put on Johnny Depp is so large. Mm-hmm. We just get more time with him. Uh, we see Wonka in a flashback far before his reveal at the factory. We already have a hint at his motivations before we even get the first Oompa Loompa song. Uh, And all of this is driven home with Wonka being more openly disdainful towards the children than ever. I think for the blown out personas of the children who are snot-nosed brats. They are, yeah. You know, Veruca Salt and, and all this stuff. I think that's where I'm all right with him being <laughs> a, to your to your analogy, a jigsaw, a punisher. <laughs> so that's where I'm, I'm all right with the very clearly snot-nosed brats getting their just desserts, mm-hmm. pun intended, uh, and Charlie being this this quiet little angelic boy. Right, uh, right. It's so cartoonish uh, in how it's it's stretched out and how it's how it's displayed on 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 screen uh that i don't know I, that that's i think where i'm all right with it a little bit this this him, him just kind of hating the children there, there's there's no good intention at all so it makes perfect sense that burton would want to make this more about the character like i said especially this being i think the third or fourth time working with Depp, maybe yeah. I, I totally forgot about Sweeney Todd as well. Much like this entire film, it is just blown into tacky proportions that harshly date the film just as bad as the hippie stylings I was criticizing with mm, the last mm-hmm. one. It, it really just dates it so much as this early 2000s, like Grinch, like Cat in the Hat, the set design is just wild. It looks so plasticky. And what looks doesn't, yeah. it looks bad. Uh, I, I like the design of it, I don't like how it looks in execution, and it, part of that execution is just like really horrible, horrible 2005 CGI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, little things with CGI too. Uh, little things like water, and it's just like you couldn't just. That doesn't just surprise me. Take at all. a dip that day yeah. on set. I mean, I, I don't know. Like it, it, the CGI is, is awful, really awful. A lot of the smart and dry humor is. Completely swapped out with visual comedy, and, and, and this is where a lot, I think, of the set design shines. There are a lot of cute jokes in backgrounds of scenes and in edits leaning towards awkward situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why Burton's style works for me here is that it infects the whole world, including these personas of the five children. It's not just this separation of when you go into the chocolate factory. I think that's, that's great. And for how that first film is designed with such a heavy ramp up uh, to show us how Wonka affects the world, it's great to then step into the chocolate factory and is truly something 
we haven't seen for the entire runtime. Okay. Here, the architecture is exactly on par with with how Burton's fi- films feel. They're very impressionistic. They're uh, the 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 buildings are all stretched. Uh, Wonka's factory is like this like German brutalist nightmare. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it really is. Um, it, is a, it is a Tim Burton in world. Exactly, big I, time. I, yeah, I, I like that follow through personally. Uh, I I, yeah. I think the payoff that we get for having a stark separate of real world and and the factory is a slight appreciation I have as a as an adult. I didn't really realize that as a kid, and I think as a kid I liked the style uh, follow through in the entire film okay, much more. Interesting. So and, and still to today uh, on, on rewatching this, certainly there is uh, something to be said about that separation, almost having a Wizard of Oz type of reveal uh, in switching things over. But I think having it all tied together in this Burton aesthetic makes for a, a stronger film, and the kids are proof of that, being a lot more snot nosed, uh, which suits the cynical tone of the film. And I, I think I, I like the kids' performances much better as well. Charlie, most of all, I actually didn't write down his name. He's still acting today. I think he's in. He's in Freddie Highmore. Yes, yes, and he's just like such a, a an angelic <laughs> little boy. Like he really, really wasn't harm a fly. And I don't know. I that that could definitely be seen as something that uh, is uh, is too cartoonish for some people. I think it worked just fine, especially mm-hmm. when making the kids just as interesting as Willy Wonka. Right, right. The two real blemishes here are, like I said already, the film is a CGI nightmare at times, <laughs> like a nightmare. And most critically, the music. Um, the music really sucks in this one. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. This was an enlightening rewatch because I remember so much just being fine as far as CGI goes, and now it was just borderline unacceptable like I was like (laughs) having trouble getting through it it was that bad Um, the 2005 CGI is is just used extensively from trunken sizes of the Oompa Loompas to factory machinery and even simple things like I said like water it's like you can't I mean, we're paying for their time. They can't just take a dip that day. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) For all the praise I can give to set design, it really takes you out of it when this CGI creeps on screen. Most of all was discovering the issues I had with music. And it was multi-stage disappointment. Uh, There was... (laughs) I had, like... Three waves of, oh, no, uh, when I realized really? what was going on with this music. Oh, yeah. Lyrically? Just, just, or uh, <sighs> instrumentally? Uh, it, yeah, just, just, just in the research of it. You know, on top of experiencing how wonderful the original movie soundtrack was, mm-hmm. it became extra salt in the wound with a soundtrack I knew I already didn't really love. Songs have more of a variety, but are exclusively delegated to the Oompa Loompas and stick out as minimal effort in what is meant to be a musical. Uh, This is in stark contrast with Paul King's uh, Wonka uh, that we're covering in just a second, where it is such a musical, like you can't escape the songs. Uh, Next, I I find out that the crappy lyrics are actually matching the original lyrics in the Roald Dahl book. So I'm like, great, I don't like the book either. <laughs> great, I don't like anything See, about this. I mean, I appreciate the follow-through then of, right. the, of the written material. I'm okay right. with that. You'd think it would be better. Turns out, no. Turns out, Roald Dahl no, is no lyricist. He was like a fighter pilot. Uh, that's the, He's not writing songs. Uh, worst of all, the third slip, the, uh, the, the, the snow crashing over me, is uh, guess who I find out does the music? None other than one of my favorites, yeah. Danny Elf. And I'm like, I guess I don't like Danny Elfman anymore. <laughs> he sings too. Yeah, he's the voice of the Oompa Loompas, I believe. Oh, really? Something and like so, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, these songs just the listen trash. to them. The, the trash, the trash. Yeah, uh, Danny Elfman. I mean, those two are a pair. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, going back to the Batman movies. Yeah, yeah, Burton and Burton and Elfman. Yeah, it's just such a disappointment. Well, you know, once yeah. in a while you got to miss. <laughs> yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I understand that I'm in the minority of really rooting for Danny Elfman. I don't think many people are like, oh, yeah, gotta, gotta see a movie because he's know. doing the soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, there are some uh, some Nightmare Before Christmas guys that are big. Sure. Big Elfman, guy, big yeah. Elfman people. 
Uh, but, but uh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> it was a slippery slope. It was uh, just a terrible discovery after terrible <laughs> discovery with this. So, folks, this is a, a little bit worse of a of a product, but one that might fit the bill depending on you know uh, the the stylings that you like with this. Uh, if you don't particularly care for the dated style or even some of the tone of the first film, this might be your Wonka. A worse performance from Johnny Depp, but in concept and in style uh it creates a different type of magic to the world yes a cynical one yes uh, maybe a, like a goth emo one a little bit but uh, i still think one that is effective at um uh, telling a, a children's story just leans in a little bit too much of the hatred of children <laughs> best of all i think uh this has a better kid performance across the board than what we get in the uh, original and even in the new one uh for wonka with timothy chalamet which can add a lot in enjoying this cynical ride in Burton's rendition. But most of all, if it's about the kids and it's about maybe telling a parable, a tale of how to behave through these kids, I think these performances even drive it home a little bit better for that reason. Mm. We're going to go ahead and give Charlie and the Chocolate Factory 2005 a 64. Okay, 64. I think you're being very nice today. I am. You're in a jolly mood. (laughs) I like that, though, because if the original is at 73, 64, okay. Man, yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll get around to watching it, and uh, I can't imagine I'm going to like it still. I I cannot believe. I I, I knew this walking into this week. I I would have told you to watch it. Give me, yeah, I just, I'm not the biggest Tim Burton fan. Sure. I'm not Johnny Depp when he's like this. Right. Okay, and if the mute, I'm, uh, well, I'm not do a fan you of musicals. Like Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp, because this well, is. Yeah, yeah, I feel like he yeah. got this off the right off the back of the first pair of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, uh, he's hot right here. Yeah, but I, I mean, I love that. I love his Captain Jack Sparrow in that first original, <laughs> especially. But this is no Captain Jack Sparrow. Right. right. Apparently, this is. <laughs> This is Child Predator, <laughs> Willy Wonka. All right, 64%. So, folks, before we get on to the new film in theaters, we just want to remind everybody that uh, the daily ratings here is completely producer-supported. So we don't, we're not going to deal with corporate advertising or, or pitch you products we don't care about. We don't want to deal with like tier structures or, or paywalls and things like Patreon where you, know, you give a little bit and we give you something extra. You give even more and we give you something even more. Basically, and the reason why is five bucks to you is totally different than the next person to the next person. So we're going out the value for value model. So if you're finding value in all this and whatever we're doing here at the Daily Ratings, what is that? What's that number to you? And you can go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab, and you can just uh, donate that amount our way. Write in a note along with it, and we're going to read it right here in this segment. So whether you have comments or critiques or questions, whatever, if you're helping us produce the Daily Ratings, if you are a producer, we care about that, and we really appreciate it, and we are absolutely going to address whatever you have to say or, or questions we, you know, we would love to answer and everything. So, again, it's dailyratings.com. You go to the Donations tab, and that's how you become a producer, through monetary support through your donations. Also, if you're interested, at the bottom of the website, you can sign up for our newsletter. So our newsletter comes out every week, every Tuesday morning. Uh, this past week was the short story version, so you get an idea of what Vin is going to be covering this week if you want to follow along or watch, uh, and you also get the uh, top five latest of the box office next week then will be the the epic version of the of the newsletter basically it's much more there's a lot more material in it it's a great read you know exactly what's going on in the movie making world and there's some fun stuff in there as well but if you sign up for that we're going to have the big box office kind of the yearly box office totals for next week and then when we do the tom dailies after that we'll mm. give you all the, the winners and the lists so that you know you can hang on to that yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um anyway like i said it totally value for value, totally producer supported. So we thank all of you who have produced in the past and we're looking forward and hope that so many of you will in the future. Uh, If you could also just tell somebody about us, keep us in the conversation, keep our name out there. That's where we want to be. So, all right, Finn, with that, let's move on to our newly released. This is Wonka, directed by Paul King. And like I said, I actually had some interest in this film. Mm. One, because I do like Timothy Chalamet. Sure. It's... I, I just I know in my heart it's going to be better than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> uh, but the director I have respect for. I have never seen the Paddington films, yeah. But over and over and over, every t- like 
once a year I go into the reviews because I'll see it, see it on a critic write write up or something. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like there's no way these kid movies are that good. Like, right, right. Like really, there's a hundred percent five out of fives. Sure. There's no chance. Sure. But it apparently is so that these Paddington movies, both one and two, are mm. like incredible. Yep. And yep. those are directed by Paul King. This is directed by Paul King. What did you think of Wonka? Uh, well. I, I think it was a very safe movie. Uh, I haven't seen the Paddington movies either, but I feel like uh, if there was going to be a new voice to tackle this children's classic, and specifically one veering away from what we got in 2005, the man that blew critics' minds with Paddington 1 and 2 uh, was going to be the guy, and that's Paul <laughs> King. Paddington 1 and 2 in uh, 2014 and 2017, respectively, just had such a, a heartwarming aspect to it uh, that I really, honestly, with this being a three slot, I was going to watch Paddington 1 and 2 oh, for, the, okay. for the two other ones. I didn't get around to it this week, but certainly would be happy to uh, to do so if there's if there's interest among you folks at home. Uh, if you're st- in a similar spot, not that like any any of us fall into Paddington's demographics, but if you're in a similar apparently, spot of being like, why is there such hype around this? I, I, apparently, I they're incredible. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it good kids movies is also good for adults. Sure, sure. And January and February are going to be dry for us. <laughs> we'll be looking for material. Watching Paddington. There is Paddington three coming out. Paddington oh, Peru, not there. directed by Paul King. Oh, not directed Mm-mm. by Paul. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay. I, I think it's an important factor to note because uh, I, I feel like everyone's reaction to even the mainstream audience of the Wonka brand was, oh, you mean the Johnny Depp one? That's the weird one. Ah, uh, yeah, and I yeah. feel like that's that's everyone's approach to this uh, to this film series. So weird does not sell a billion dollars. Uh, and heartwarming is a much safer uh, tone to sh- shoot for in this depiction of Wonka. This warps Wonka into much more of a Broadway affair, uh, heavy, heavy emphasis on music, feeling like a uh, an imitator of the Disney villain spot- spotlight movies that we see every oh, now and again. Oh, okay. And, and certainly that way in the way that it is just filled to the brim with Easter egg callbacks to the book, to things that Gene Wilder said, uh, and everywhere in between, basically. In a nauseating way or in a cute way? Um... Almost in an inconsequential way, because I don't think anyone would really pick it up unless you recently watched the 2000, uh, or the, the 1990, uh, the 71. Wow, I can, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. The 71 one, um, but because it was so fresh in my mind, sure, yeah. I was like hyper tuned into it. So I'm just gonna say I don't know. It was it was the, definitely the, Easter eggs. They're there for the fan. Yes, yeah. they're there for it. So uh, that and I think that's that's personal tolerance. I didn't find them to be nauseating. It just I I did find them to be very recognizable. Uh, let's chat, chat about Timmy right away. Actually, uh, I forgot if I said this on the podcast, but. If I had to think of what is his standout performance, or is there a standout performance, what would it be? I, I don't know what are your thoughts, Tom. Uh, I would, I'm definitely going to say not Dune. Yeah. Because it's such little talking. Right, right. Like he's fine in the Paul Atreides is meant to be like a, you know, a, an open palette for right. his, his, his journeys to shape him. Man, that is a good question. You know, it's not like character acting with Timmy. No, I mean, honestly, he was the best part of Don't Look Up. Okay, okay. But very supporting role. Right, yeah. You know, very small role. Yeah. You saw him in... not bodies, bodies, bodies. The um, the, the human eating film this past <laughs> year, right? Bones and all. Bones and Bones all. Bones and all. I think that was two thousand twenty-three. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, try two, try two. And uh, and then what, Bones- came, what came to mind for you? Uh, nothing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know. Uh, I know I like him. Yeah, I I definitely like uh, Chalamet too. But I think what surprised me quite a bit is Wonka is quite the character to pull off. So uh, it surprised me that he would be chosen for this. Um, uh, by the first moments on screen, you will realize that this is less about giving a creative uh, performance or interpretation for Wonka, uh, less about maybe Chalamet being a uh, or starring in a such a such a strong character role, and it is more about being a vehicle for songs. Um, this is a vehicle for songs. Uh, that we'll see uh, in the talent around these songs. I I don't think uh, they're necessarily bad, but we'll put a pin in that for now. Performance-wise, as for Wonka, I guess he's doing kind of a southern accent. He slips in and out of his normal voice, which I think was totally fine, and gives a 
slightly southern twang that makes him sound like uh, Holly Hunter from The Incredibles, uh, the mom from The Incredibles. I mean, oh, that's it, weird a choice. It, it, it's odd. It's it's a it's a twang uh, that he brings in every now and again. He's, he's going it. for like American accent the entire time, right? Yeah, like not British at all. He's he's dropping. No, yeah, it, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's 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 normal. It's normal Chalamet, and then it's slightly little, yeah, southern tang, little, twang. Yeah. Chalamet. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> a little odd, uh, but this depiction of Wonka once again shifts to the other side of the spectrum. If anything, I really kind of wrote these reviews reviews for me because uh, in the middle you have Wilder sitting and not leaning too far into creepy, sure. not leaning too far into schmaltzy heartwarming. Depp falls all the way to the creepy <laughs> side, and now with Chalamet we have it all the way on the heartwarming side. There is not a bad bone in this man. And granted, it's a younger depiction of Wonka, so that maybe makes sense. That was that was my big question, because it, it, it is younger. Yes. He is younger, and that's what they're going for. Is it just supposed to be, like, is this a Wonka origin story? Yes. Okay, okay, yeah, gotcha, yeah. all right. And that's, that's where I compare so, it to, like, the villain spotlight movies with Disney. Like, they're trying to be... I know they're trying to take a character and make a whole, mm-hmm. you know, a whole movie out of it. Is it told to us then? Is the point of this film is we we see why Wonka develops a dark side through the process of, you know, getting bigger and bigger? Uh, sure, sure. Maybe maybe some distrust of um, his fellow chocolatiers around him. But right. No, not really. This is a very through and through. schmaltzy, heartwarming affair. See, I would have liked to see the other. You thing. know, yeah. I would like to see him. You know, what what happened to Wonka through sure. his life that makes him? That he maybe picks up a chip on the shoulder or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I think if anything, this fully interest illustrates the family friendly tone that this is going after. Uh, I feel like Warner Brothers executives sat down. They say we we want the exact opposite of what Burton <laughs> did in two thousand five. PG means something different now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so if anything, to to the point of um, that, it's it's so safe and so friendly that I really um, don't imagine this capturing the. I'm um, trying not to say imagination as much as possible this <laughs> this episode, but capturing the attention of kids nowadays just because it it feels like everything else a little bit. Mm, okay, um, but uh, again, that that ties mostly into my feelings on the music. So, uh, in Wonka, we see a young Willy Wonka, bright eyed and naive, traveling to a city to sell his miraculous chocolates. His genius is not met with open arms, however, uh, as upon arriving, he is fed to a city run by profiteering capitalists and grifters on the street trying to get one up on each other. The only thing that he has is his good intentions and the best chocolate-making techniques in the world. So pretty lucky coming out of the gate. (laughs) Uh, As he teams up with a band of misfits to bring all of their dreams alive through the power of imagination. One aspect I really enjoyed was the different candies that Wonka makes in here, uh, which became closer to spy gadgets in the film <laughs> over the course of the movie. <laughs> this is where I think like you would actually love this. <laughs> because he has like these different candies, but because he's not trying to like sell all of them, he has just these template candies that he's he's made one time, one or two times, and he's like, oh yeah, this does something that tells people to brainstorm correctly, or uh, oh, or, or tell the truth, or put them asleep, and uh, things like that. So <laughs> I, I feel like the imagination around the chocolates and whatnot captured something new and fresh and, and fun for the audience. Um, his chocolates have more magic than ever now, and while there are classic ones that we can recognize for the Easter eggs, like, you know, like the floating, fizzy lifting drink being in a chocolate. He has all sorts of new ones that were just so creatively used. It's also a cute reason for some of the musical breakouts in the film that is basically explained. And and, uh, anyone that sees this film, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the... It said one or two times is that the reason why people are singing and dancing in a musical is because the chocolate is just that good. There's there was no singing and dancing in this in the city before Wonka arrived, which oh, I really? think is a really? very cute explanation of, a, of of why a musical is a musical. I think that's that that's really great. Yes, all, yes, and a big reason why I typically hate musicals. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> For real. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think everything done around 
the chocolatiering, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, I uh, like that play. Yeah, there, there's 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 a lot of love put into that, and uh, a lot of fresh new material in ways that uh, we wouldn't really see, if anything, in my comparison to the Disney origin kind of story movies mm-hmm, uh, yep. that you get with this. So, uh, the music, however, feels very very generic. Uh, the Broadway bland that we have called and referred to on the past in the podcast. Uh, and it's a uh, big problem because the film's skeleton is more of a musical uh, than either of the last two films. I mean, this is a packed soundtrack. Uh, characters are always breaking out into song. The plethora of new songs that were written all just, they, they sound the same. They sound mm-hmm. identical to each other to the point that in my note-taking process, I always listen to the soundtracks. There's a 26-track uh, soundtrack with this. And folks, put on the first eight, and you tell me when the song starts and, and stops. It's that similar. It's that similar. So it's almost like let us get our banger, like get, let us make our one <laughs> And then everything else from that. I guess so. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the way that you make a, a, a musical soundtrack these days. Uh, the songs themselves were written by Neil Hannon, and the composing was done by Joby Talbot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's very telling on Talbot's side. Uh, he is coming from the very successful Sing franchise. Yes. Uh, that will give you an idea of the tone of this as well. Mm-hmm. It's trying to be very uplifting and uh, inspiring. And it's it's not that the songs aren't nice. I'm not trying to just kick something for being family friendly. Uh, if anything, there are some very cute moments and that fit into the smaltzy feel of the movie. But they all, and I mean all of them, they all sound the same. Uh, yeah. The Oompa Loompa the, the, song, the, the everything sounds the same. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. See, that's a shame because I just uh, it, it's, things are dead today. It kind of yeah. feels. And if you're going to redo Wonka, and this is this big corporate stuff where it's like, all right, what else do we have in the bin? Okay, mm. let's we'll go ahead. We'll do a Wonka one. Go, yep. It's been enough years now. Yep. But really, what would be nice, it's such a s- separate thing from that 71 version where that main Wilder song, mm. you know, when he comes out, like you said, that's the best song. It's the best thing. Oh, of pure all these, imagination. Can't be touched. Of all these three. I mean, yeah. f- 50 years later, everyone can kind of sing that tune a little bit. Yep, yep. And, you know... 50 minutes later, mm-hmm. no one is singing probably a tune from this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, yeah. And if you're going to have a platform for that or a jumping off movie to once again have great something that can happen again like yep. that, yep. Uh, this would be the film. You know, it's very much like we all can hum the Star Wars theme. Mm. You know, I've, me, it, I could do Lord of the Rings no problem. <laughs> a bunch of different songs. <laughs> A bunch but of that, right. <laughs> an example of that being every song. <laughs> but the original Star uh, Star Trek, like yeah. we all know that tune a little bit. But you know, when you get into the more modern stuff, it's it's sing me the Avengers tune. Mm, sure, sure. And people aren't going to know that, and that's the problem with these these modern day films where just the energy and the heart isn't in there, mm-hmm. and all the the corporatism is. Mm, yeah, um, it, it's just a shame because this should be the film that kids can like remember for. Sure. For years and years and decades. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely what I was shooting for. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I found myself becoming numb to these music scenes because they all blurred together in such a forgettable way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that part of the reason why I put the soundtrack on for the my note process was to determine if some of the wonk, some of the songs that Chalamet is singing were actually separate songs or was he wow. returning to them like in a Oompa Loompa style, right, like right. It, it's a variation on the same song. So I could not, I, I, I could imagine, I should say, Warner Brothers not wanting to take risk, especially after the Danny Elfman fiasco, we'll <laughs> call it. But seriously, folks, uh, listen to even just a quarter of this soundtrack and you will be shocked how one song painfully and indistinctly blends into another. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stop calling it Broadway bland and and really insult this style of movies and call it Coco Melon Syndrome. This feels like children's oh. baby music with how formulaic it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I like he's that. done with it. <laughs> hey, Coco Melon will get us in the algorithms a little bit. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I wish that it wasn't such a big factor in my score of this film, but I really can't stress enough. This movie has more of an emphasis on its musical yeah. element than ever, than, than, than the first one, and definitely, definitely the 2005 Burton one. I'm happy to see that Paul King is doing something new here. 
uh, and making such a touching experience for a family musical. Um, again, I, if there was any takeaway coming from this is that I wanted to see more from King. Um, but uh, if I had to bet on it, I don't think this hits for anyone outside of a very small kid demographic and a holiday, a holiday Christmas time theater go around uh, of, hey, we got to see something in theaters, kill some time, let's just go see Wonka. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, this does not hit for the crowd that holds the original movie on this untouchable pedestal, which, again, hopefully, over the course of these three uh, reviews, you can kind of see where I'm coming from in that I don't think they're bulletproof. I don't think they're untouchable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like if it is going to be all a PG or G-rated movie, guess what? You are catering to one demographic. That is the, that is the modern-day kids that are going to be seeing this and, and find their own Wonka in that way. And that's what brings me to the thought that I had all week for this episode. I think it is more than fine to update this property for modern kids, but I'm not sure that this one grabs the attention of those kids for how safe and how bland it feels. We're going to go ahead and give Wonka a 56. Wow, the worst, worst one? The worst one. Worst one? Yeah. I was so so sure of myself. Wow, 56%. Okay. Yeah. Blandness, like you said. Blandness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, let me say, and, and this is obviously getting into the splitting hairs that all close scores are, realistically, I do think this is still a good movie. Uh, right. it, it's right. landing positive of 50. I just feel like it doesn't escape and do anything exceptionally well to to get it above those 60s. Right. But still a good movie, and certainly for the family focus. This is where a lot of family movies fall on, on the ratings. And it, does this one feel the most Christmassy? Mm, I think the Burton one does. Get to her. Burton one's Get got enough snow. I think, I think <laughs> <laughs> they have a family dinner. They've I should have watched snow. it. I should have watched it. You should have watched it. Um, and over and Timmy was good in it. Timothy Chalamet was good. Yes, I, I think beyond my gripes of uh, of is he trying a character? Is he not? No, he's still good in this. He's still definitely right. on par with uh, everything that we've seen with Chalamet. And, and I guess we might have to do a Timmy study then too. I mean, even go through his IMDb. It's just like I, I, yeah. I guess I see him a lot less than I thought. Right. Right, but he is out there. He is out there, I, and I don't get me wrong. It's not like I I want him to be like a Jim Carrey all of a sudden or something like no, that. Absolutely you know? not. But uh, you know, obviously his brand is is kind of staying cool. I hope it he, just surprised me this casting. Yeah, uh, I hope that he goes more. Oh my god, not not Ryan Reynolds. Cool oh, guy, cool uh, guy. Ryan Gosling. Yes, I hope he goes more Ryan Gosling route. Oh sure, sure. I mean the one thing or Leo. I mean the one thing. Uh, I forget what uh, Timmy's movie was that came out, and then it was released. Just he had a private conversation with DiCaprio, uh-huh. and DiCaprio said said something like, "No superhero movies and no hard drugs," <laughs> and that's what he told him, or like, "No capes and no hard drugs or something." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, great. you know, thank you." That's great. Um, yeah. Okay, Vin. All right. So looking at these films here, any any lasting notes? I have a side any, tangent. Any, yeah, please take it. <laughs> okay, uh, so. Is it just me, or is Aquafina in every single cartoon? Like yeah. every single Aquafina cartoon. is everywhere. It feels like Seems what like I imagine it felt like for seeing Rosie O'Donnell in every movie, <laughs> <laughs> in every kids movie. You what know? cartoon now is she in? What She's is- in the new Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, she that makes is sense. a bit character in. Um, uh, I think it's called Migration, the duck one from uh, Illumination. Yes, which yes. I, I, I is not even on our list to cover, but it's probably going to be the biggest movie <laughs> this month. Well, you would think so. <laughs> yeah, Illumin- uh, Illumination did it. Uh, That's uh, not the one that did Kubo. No, no, right, no, no, right, no. right. Yeah. Okay, okay. And sing. That could be a January. That could be a January watch. <laughs> I don't want to watch it at all. Well, we could, do, we could pair that up with Paddington. Maybe it's good. <laughs> it's just good. But, but no, and Aquafina was also in um, uh, the, the not Free Willy. What is the Free one that we did in the summer? Uh, what the, she plays the duck, I believe, in the, um, oh my God. Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yes, yes. She plays <laughs> the seagull. Yes. Yes. She's just in. in She's, she, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and was, is she in more? She's just in everything. She, okay, <laughs> I like Aquafina too. I think she's funny, but like it's, I, I think she's destroying her brand. Like well, she, it's, she was in that Renfield movie, yeah, too. Right, 
But okay, we'll keep it. You you did. I remember you. <laughs> this is why we cut tangents usually in the <laughs> edit. Because one of us will make a hot take and then it doesn't land on the other side, and then we're like, all right, we'll move on. No, I mean, I I totally agree. I agree with you. Aquafina is everywhere. She's the Rosie O'Donnell of 2023. Which I I really want to agree with that statement. If I knew where the Rosie O'Donnell thing was coming from, <laughs> just that was it she like was 2002. In, she was like yeah. Rosie O'Donnell was it. She had the Rosie uh, O'Donnell show, right? Well, no more so like Nick. Nickelodeon. She was like in every Nickelodeon film, uh, every Disney film, as voice actor specifically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Maybe um, it's a bad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this won't make it in the cut at all. So uh, Any, anything else to touch on? <laughs> it? No, that's the one. Well, okay. So well, maybe we should talk about the rest of the year. We've got like. We have some of the biggest films of the year coming out. Yeah. So I mentioned it earlier. We have Super Episode coming out. Yes, we have Super Episode. Two weeks from now, it's going good. Uber Episode is. uh, (laughs) You want me to just rattle through? Uh, no, because if something drops off for whatever reason, we can't watch. Then we're (laughs) gonna be screwed. Right. Um, But basically, they're all new release films. It's gonna be. Uh, eight, nine, ten films in one episode. Yeah. So, you know, just, hey, just listen to a little bit here or there, just to the movies that you care about, skip around. That's totally fine. That's why the episode's there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's there's not going to be films that we left out anymore for the year 2023. We are covering everything. Yeah. And so many of these new releases in December, it's just wild. And then the week after that, three weeks from now, on January uh, 11th, 11th yep. that's when the Tom Dailies uh, are going to come out. And we have... We're going to be ready to go. We're going to have yeah. everything watched. We're going to be locked and loaded. So, again, that's why we're going to have that mega episode the week before. And next week is going to be great because we have kind of curated a lot of the greats of 2023 mm-hmm. just to catch everybody up. Have that episode right there for everyone to listen to because, mm-hmm. again, awards the awards are around the corner and we're the only, <laughs> we're the only ones that matter here. And we are the only ones on the ball. <laughs> uh, all right, Vin, thank you so much for watching these Wonka films. Folks at home, we'll run it down one more time. We have Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with a 73%, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with a 64%, and finally, Wonka with a 56%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us we'd appreciate it and just a reminder folks that daily ratings is also completely producer supported we want to stay from advertising and we don't want to have any paywalls or any tier structures or subscriptions it's all just value for value so are you finding any value in the things that we're doing here at the daily ratings then become a producer and donate whatever amount of value that is and just go to the donations tab on the dailyratings.com and while you're at it you can check out the rest of the films that we have on this site so folks thank you so much and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.